0: Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is
1: Utilizing Self-Compassion to Release Limiting Beliefs. And our guest is Comedy Wood. And we'll be talking about the importance of emotional safety and how it relates back to relational self-awareness. And I love that. So let me tell you about Comedy Wood. She is a certified professional coach, helps people take the courageous steps to identify their limiting beliefs, the reasons for their stagnation or feelings of not enoughness, so they can have what they want professionally and personally to live a fulfilled life. She is the creator of Authentic Me. sounds great. I want to learn more about that. And CEO of Live Joy Your Way, a coaching company, helping high performers and overachievers who have seen success through all rooted traditional metrics reestablish their relational self-awareness, meaning she helps them understand how they think, what beliefs might be holding them back so they can really come home to joy, fulfillment, and the newly defined definition of success driven internally rather than from external validation fantastic. Her clients truly live into self-acceptance, self-confidence, and self-leadership. Trained in internal family systems, cognitive behavioral-based coaching, and acceptance and commitment-based coaching, she's able to help her clients navigate through past traumas, toxic relationships with others and themselves, and into the life they want professionally and personally. I'll tell you, after that bio and resume, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Welcome, comedy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. My pleasure. Uh, and it's a bit of a, tes- a testament to persistence and how valuable that is. This is not the first time comedy have uh, and I have attempted to have this discussion. We had some tech trouble, but we persisted and here we are. And I am really looking forward to this discussion. We are definitely in the same tribe. Uh, I'm, you know, I was a life coach. i I understand the value of coaching, how it's incredible, uh, how it's the, you know, it easily makes the difference. And uh, this is, thank you very much for joining me.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. My pleasure.
1: So let's get, you know, first of all, let let me talk about your company, uh, Authentic Me. Uh, Tell me about that a bit.
2: So as I was creating my company and trying to figure out, you know, um, how to summarize what it is that I really wanted to help people do. The term authentic me just kind of came to me, to be totally honest, because as I went through my own self-transformation, what I realized was that for so long with my people pleasing and my perfectionism that I was dealing with, it was just a, a combination of wearing many different masks or filling different roles. And really what it came down to was who is comedy, you know, who am I? What do I stand for? What are my beliefs? What are my values? And when I really came home to that, my authentic self, that's when I really started to figure out where I wanted to go with my own purpose and my own drive, which actually led me into running the business that I run. But really what I want to do is help people recognize that they can come home to self. And when they have that relationship with self, they're their authentic self, they're their authentic me. That's really where it's at that's when they can truly decide and choose for themselves where they want to go next rather than constantly living on this autopilot and constantly living to somebody else's expectation of who they should be or how they should be. It's who am I authentically?
1: Absolutely. You know, uh, one of my, I I consider one of my greatest assets is my uh, self-expression and, and my embrace of my own individuality. I don't say that in a selfish way. Every person, their own life is the greatest gift they have from God. And I say that in the most non-religious way possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't mean that in a selfish way, you know, what are you going to do with this life? But it's your Mm -hmm. life and it's you even, and whoever you think you are, you're more than that. But aside from that, you know, one of the greatest struggles for any person, every person is the struggle for self. We have all these pressures to conform, to deliver to these these obligations, whether they are perceived or not, uh, or, or whether they're real or not, certainly they're perceived, uh, you know, and, but who are you? What mask are you wearing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I used to be a hardcore punk rocker with the mohawk and all that. Matter of fact, <laughs> the first scene I got into was in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was a soldier <laughs> at Fort Bragg. And... Um, And, you know, and one of the things I got into at some point was, you know, obviously most people, want the approval of others so I yeah. went the other way you know punk rock's very extreme thing I was like okay I'm not going to go for approval I'm going to go for disapproval <laughs> which was a very interesting experience I and mean, I learned a lot and one of the things I learned was not to do that because it, you know it was its own dysfunction <laughs> and it caused a lot of problems uh, but I learned a lot about it and but yes yeah. this need for approval is such a quagmire such a trap I mean you don't want to be a jerk but mm-hmm. you don't want to be a pleaser either, because you mm-hmm. give mm-hmm. up yourself, and you can easily become, a, you know, an addict to other people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, codependent, uh, codependent
2: or- overfunctioner. Right? You become an overfunctioner, and then what ends up happening is, as you're overfunctioning for other people, uh, eventually resentment just keeps growing. Oh. Right? Your own personal resentment. Right? So then it just grows and grows and grows until eventually you resent yourself as well as the people in your life.
1: So that is a huge thing because we have, you know, society, uh, culturally or, you know, in, in, your, in your own inner world, or you not your inner world, but your, the world that you live in mm-hmm. surrounded trying to buy your family, friends, businesses, uh, they have, we have the people have expectations or set these norms or, 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 or maybe it's, it's a more, but if it's, if it's in, in conflict with our values, and we're, and we are, we're, we're succumbing to, to that external thing. Resentment gets built up and built up. And people don't talk about that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that, it's not even a factor. No, it is a huge factor. It is a huge factor. Resentment gets built when I feel victimized or, yep. you know, which is his own thing. It may be real or not. Mm-hmm. But when I don't get to express myself honestly and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. suppressed or mm-hmm. oppressed mm-hmm. or shut down in some mm-hmm. way. Or disregarded, marginalized, mm-hmm. uh, I get resentful. <laughs> yeah,
2: and we can ignore it for a certain amount of time, right? right. We'll say it's oh. fine, it's fine, oh, no. and and we'll push it into a little box in the side corner, right? And it's like, oh, it's over there. But eventually, I was just talking to a client this morning, and she even said, she's like, I became a volcano, and I'm like, of course you did, because how long can you push it down, push it down? The metaphor I often use with people is that like, um, of an instant pot. Right. With the Instant Pot, there's a reason why there's a pressure, pressure valve to let out the steam in a methodical okay. manner, because yeah. if we didn't have that, eventually that top would just pop off. It's the same concept Absolutely. with us excellent. as humans. Excellent. Right. If we just keep pushing down, pushing down, and we never allow any of it out.
1: That is an excellent metaphor. Excellent. I, I, that never occurred to me. That is fantastic. That, I'm going to use that. I, I'll, I'll have to say copyright comedy would uh, <laughs> uh, 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 trademark. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: you have uh, my permission
1: you may use thank it thank <laughs> you thank you very much yeah, excellent so you know so we need to be honest about mm-hmm. ourselves what's going on our values you know uh slights or you know not being you know hypersensitive but being reasonable you know you know I happen to be a, re- a recovered drug addict and uh and one of the things and I used to go to aA and na in the mm-hmm. earlier years and we we talk about serenities in the serenity period mm-hmm. everyone wants serenity the problem is that you know we have all this self-conflict and that's that's the opposite of it and yeah, but yeah. but you know there's this notion of serenity which is peace and that and so sometimes a person who might be striving to do well or maybe doing well to say oh i don't have serenity i would modify that with a, with an adjective uh of reasonable a, a reasonable degree of a reasonable degree of serenity that doesn't mean i have to be in some utopia oh ah, Everything's so beautiful. You know, right. I'm like I'm like the Dalai Lama. No, wait, right. No. You know, I've got pressures. There things, some things mm-hmm. go wrong. Some things are not, are not not as, well, as good as, as well as I'd like them, but you know, am I, are things well enough that I can be happy with this and be okay. This is okay. Right,
2: right, right, right. And I love what you just said, because I do think that sometimes people, even in my field will come to me and they think that it's, it's being fixed so that they do this work and then everything is quote unquote perfect. And what you just said is really important is that serenity doesn't mean that I'm living in rainbows and unicorns hundred percent of the time. What it means is I can feel um, at a place of fulfillment, even if I'm facing life's challenges, I still am a fulfilled person, even though what I'm dealing with in the moment is very difficult, much like the self-work that we do through my, my coaching is, We're building tools and ways to manage and navigate life's challenges. We're not trying to become immune to them. We're really, because at the end of the day, our growth, our evolution isn't ever, like we're ever evolving. That's, I mean, being human involves growing and learning all the time. So it's about releasing this idea and this attachment to, oh, I'm going to know it's going to be fixed and I'm going to be done with it much like to your point about serenity. It's not like we get to this one place where it's like everything is perfect. It means I am okay with myself, even
1: in the midst of life's most difficult challenges. Absolutely, you know, my my master, my uh, my primary uh, trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, uh, Rex Sykes, uh, one of the things um, he taught me, I mean, he taught me so many great things. Um, I lost my train, of thought. <laughs> but but I'm sorry. But you know, is that? Oh yes, I I okay, got it. Thank you, thank you, God. <laughs> is that? Don't make your life about fixing problems, <laughs> All right. All right? Yeah, we, I want to fix problems. I'm very solution oriented, but if it's once you know fixing one problem after another, that is tedious and exhausting. Uh, you know, have a place uh, a place where you can say, okay, there's good, there's bad, and let me uh, navigate life. With you know, with equanimity as much as I can, without you know, going oh this has to be fixed. You know, just find a place where you can be okay, without without being without being dishonest. Okay, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you don't want to get dishonest, uh, but realize that you don't have to fix everything, and that some things that may be uh, intolerable and. And, you know, you shouldn't tolerate things that are intolerable, but some things you may be, you may be setting up, uh, you may be too hypersensitive about or reacting mm-hmm. too acutely to. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And to your point about not wanting to fix it, my perspective on it is I don't look at us as um, broken individuals to begin with. We just might not be living into our best self. And so yeah. really that's what it comes down to is recognizing that we're not broken we just might not be choosing how to really live into who we truly are or what you know we might be choosing to live into false beliefs for instance rather than recognizing what our core strengths and um
1: our core essence is all about we're going to get into beliefs big time because i know that's a big part of what you do <laughs> and i totally recognize that uh, as a coach you know not, well, we'll get into that but uh absolutely uh You know, a person has to have a place where they're all right with themselves. Uh, And that I think, yeah, how would you, well, let me, let me ask you this. How would you describe your, you know, your best life? How would you describe that?
2: My personal best life? Well, My, as, as,
1: a, a, as, a, a per- as a definition, as a definition, as a, a you know, true.
2: Yeah. So if somebody's truly living their best life, I would see it. I, I don't know if it's just a definition, but this is kind of what comes to mind as I hear okay. that. Like, well, how do we live our best life? It's living into, you know, what are your values that's honoring it. your beliefs, totally recognizing that you have your core needs and that's okay. Finding a way to live into alignment with those things totally. when we can get there and we can allow room for us to live into the things that do fill us up, fill us up with that joy and that fulfillment, that's truly living your best life. It's not necessarily attached to the money in the bank account or, you know, and, and also to that point of like happiness, you know, happiness is just an emotional state, like many other emotional states. So that's why I intentionally use the word joy and fulfillment, because that means that you're living into your best self, right? You're, you are creating that life that, you eat again, even if you are in life's challenges, you're still in a place of fulfillment because I can be fulfilled and also pissed off about the traffic that I'm sitting in. Right. Like those two things can be, can, can happen simultaneously. Can I really feel happy and be annoyed with the traffic? Not so easy.
1: Totally. And, and to compliment your description, which I wholeheartedly agree with, of course, you know, I found, and both in my own experience and observations, a commitment to personal development and or having a coach is the best way to have that best life.
2: <laughs> I agree with you. And it's really interesting because I do think that um, people still view it as either one, they don't get it right. They're like, what, what? Like, well, I can do life. I don't need a coach. Like I, I'm a human. I can figure this out. The truth is, yes, we can figure things out. Absolutely. But, you know, when we think about just in life, when we wanted to excel at a sport or we wanted to excel in a musical instrument, or we wanted to excel, maybe even do better in school, what did we do? We went and got coaches. We went and got tutors. We went and got people to help support us. And that's what I see my role as. I'm not fixing anything. I'm somebody's co-collaborator to be that person that walks alongside them. And in those moments where that belief in self isn't quite there yet, I can hold that space and believe in my client until he or she can step into it and own it for themselves. Absolutely. So I whole, I, and it's funny because when I first started on this journey, I didn't totally know if that was, you know, does this make sense? Is this the right thing to do? And really what it is, is it, it absolutely, I'm, it absolutely makes sense because when I've now had the privilege to be able to work with so many people and see the transformation from when we first started working to when we complete with each other, that it's, it's night and day in terms of how they see themselves. And that at the end of the day is really what it comes down to. How do you see yourself? How are you showing up for yourself? In my opinion, that's the core. The foundation is that relationship with self.
1: Absolutely. And we can get so, when we're in the picture, especially emotionally, uh, it's hard to see the bigger picture. And what you are, coaches or you're an expert observer who who has a body of knowledge and a set of tools that can be brought to bear that can really make the difference for a person is that's been my that's to me that's what a coach does and they and they truly make a difference as long as they're not total crap uh, I, i have screwed up a lot of people but i have apologized to those people
2: <laughs> but I you know what's funny is I love how you just said though, because it's really true when we're up against something and it's like we are um we're right there and we can't necessarily see it. And what what I really view the coaching perspective and just what we're doing in the work that I do with my clients and that time that we spend together and through those conversations, it's allowing that space to kind of go up into that bird's eye view because when you are able to get there, it's like, oh gosh, that's where that's coming from, or oh gosh, that's the pattern. But when you're right up against it, it's so so hard oh, yeah. to see it for yourself
1: oh yeah and and, and the, the other side of spectrum too that's when you know the you want to do some intensive emotion perhaps but the other, other thing is when we're in a routine and we're stuck in a routine and just and yeah. there's no emotional charge. It's just you know routine routine but so either way i, I and I, I those those you know everyone's listening uh comedy just gave a whole full body nod. she's like yes she knows from experience undoubtedly you know <laughs> And you listening, uh, you know, how you know how is it when you're in a routine and you feel stuck, right? Or you there's something we want something more, and you just can't break out of it and there's no emotional charge. There's just wow, my God, there's, there's resignation, you know, not acceptance, which is a great thing, but resignation. Uh right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. where a coach comes in. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. great stuff. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor. It will come,
0: we'll come right back with comedy with great stuff, comedy. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio. Ever heard of accelerated learning techniques? What if you learned more deeply than ever before? What if you remembered what you learned far better than ever before? Visit www.perficio.io. That's proficio.io, where you can understand perhaps better than ever before.
1: You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petrozza. We're having an excellent conversation with comedy wood she's down in north carolina i'm up in brooklyn new york i love both places and she's we've been talking about her coaching and the and the benefits of coaching and and, and some deeper insights uh let me get to a, a question how do we mean? Well, what do we mean by self-compassion are we talked about so, personal development yeah. now we're getting yeah. into something what a lot of people deeper. call self-love or whatever but yes. let's you yes. answer the question please
2: So with self-compassion, which I, the way that I view it, it, it's really based on Kristen Neff's work. It's, there are three pillars to self-compassion. The very first one is kindness over judgment. And what that means is when something, for me, when something doesn't go the way that we wanted it to go or the way that we expected it to go, leaning into kindness over judgment of self. The second pillar is common humanity. And what that really means is we are not isolated. We're not going through things for the very first time. Other people have had similar experiences and it's okay to recognize that, to put voice to what we're going through. We don't have to hide it and go into isolation that something negative has happened and instead bring it to the forefront, lean on it and allow other people's experiences to help us recognize that we're not isolated. We're not going it alone. And then the third one, is mindfulness over versus over-identification. And what that really means is being in the present moment. It doesn't, just because something is happening um, in your world doesn't mean that that's what you have become, right? So it's just about, this is my present moment. This is what's happening. I can show up for myself in this moment really utilize the kindness over judgment, recognize that I'm not isolated so I can lean on those people that I'm closest to. I can get vulnerable. I can ask other people for what they might have done in a similar situation and I can work through it. So often we are able to be compassionate to other people, right? Like our friend is going through something difficult. We show up and we are so kind to them and we are, we cheer them on and we offer um, a listening ear and maybe we have some advice that we would give them. Maybe we don't, maybe we're just there and we're in the present moment and we're, we're just sitting with them. It's giving ourselves that same compassion. It's offering that same thing that we would give that best friend or that loved one and just offering it to ourselves instead of allowing the inner critic to jump in and tell us every reason why we're terrible. We're not good enough. We're stupid. We're all the things that the inner critic wants to tell us. It's really giving ourselves the ability to recognize that we're human. We're making decisions with the information we have at any given time. And from there we can say, okay, this worked or no, this didn't work. What did I learn? And how do I move forward from here?
1: Fantastic. You know, uh, like I said, almost everyone's listening to this and I wish they could have, you know, go check comedy out on YouTube, all this video. Uh, and you can see, I saw the sincerity on your face and I, and I mind read that that sincerity, that truthfulness came from your own experience, working with, with yourself, certainly, but working with people and seeing the difference because that's what, I, and, I, yeah, and she's nodding. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, and I have to amend what I said earlier about self-compassion being self-love certainly they're synonymous but self-love is a common you know another thing I, i'm a self-helper i'm, I'm in, committed to self-help personal development self-love is another area where it's like sort of like treating yourself to nice things what you just described is, is not that you know necessarily it's about a personal understanding of self understanding mm-hmm. self which is a form of self-help obviously but not 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 you know not taking a bath with uh with bath salts this is about understanding what's going on emotionally philosophically logically with itself and, and relationally which is really uh indispensable uh for uh, to get along with people to get along with yourself
2: i will also say just as a side note to what you just offered yes self-love is those Those bath salts and the the spa days. I will say there that self-love also is just this deep self-acceptance of all of our imperfections um, rather than trying to do things perfectly right. And and so I do believe that self-love and self-compassion really do go hand in hand because when we can really practice self-compassion, so that kindness over judgment, it opens this door to really leaning into self-love and recognizing that how we show up is actually okay. And it's really about um, recognizing that we are already a perfect being, right? Like our essence is where our worth is. It's not because we go do A, B, and C for that person or this person, or we execute perfectly on, you know, a project at work or for, you know, I work with teens and, and college students too. And so often they're defining their worth through the grades that they receive. And so we do a lot of work on recognizing that that's not where your essence is, regardless of the grade, or regardless of whether or not you got that promotion, you are already this worthy being. Your worth does not come from those accolades. Those are great achievements that we can celebrate. We can, that's amazing, but that doesn't define who you are as a person. We, it goes back to those values. It goes back to those beliefs. It goes back to that, just that core being of who I really am outside of these external measurements of success.
1: Absolutely. Very often when I, when I certainly when I work with someone uh, and I don't life coach anymore. Now I'm the head of a technological coaching company, striving to launch a revolutionary app. I talk about difficulty, but still loving the process. Anyway, I, I, one of the first things I do typically is have them define their values. This is a critical thing because a lot of times either the people don't know, or they become so lost. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't even know who they are anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that helps define it. get get a grasp of it. That's a critical thing. And of course, if you're not living up especially to your highest values, then you have a, a lack of self-esteem. Uh, you know you and you and then you get resentment towards yourself mm-hmm. the, or toward, mm-hmm. and then once you have mm-hmm. it towards yourself, then you can easily project it anywhere else into the world. <laughs> right? Right?
2: Nope, that's absolutely true. Right. You have resentment to yourself and also it opens up um, grief which we don't talk about enough. Right. So So, when we have resentment to self, uh, what ends up sometimes happening for individuals is they start grieving the choices. It's like a grief of lost time. Right. Because now they feel like they, like you even mentioned autopilot, you spend all this time on autopilot and you sort of stop and you you recognize what am I doing? What choices am I making? And you recognize all this time that's been lost. And now you're thrust into this grief of lost time. And you feel like, where did my life go? That's a lot of what I hear too, is I just feel like I've wasted my life. And now I'm, you know, 45, 50 years old, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's not about, again, that's when we lean into self-compassion. Well, you made the choices you made with whatever narrative you had from before, whatever your that story was, whatever that template was, whatever the limiting beliefs were. It's not about judgment. It's about getting curious with it and compassionate with it. And then saying, and now what do I choose? What commitment do I, am I going to make to myself today? And how am I going to move myself forward?
1: Absolutely, you know, you know, I forgiveness is an extremely important thing, and certainly, you've alluded to it. You know, you haven't mentioned the word, but if how can you have self compassion if you haven't forgiven yourself for any supposed transgression or inadequacy? Um, But uh, but but they're hand in hand compassion, self compassion, or compassion for self compassion for others, Mm -hmm. and forgiveness for self forgiveness for others. Uh, And if we don't do that. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, I was, like I said, I was a soldier right down there in North Carolina, mm-hmm. Fort Bragg, 82nd Airborne, and one of the things they really instilled in you was to be tough, I was an infantry soldier, mm-hmm. to be tough, and you had to be tough, mm-hmm. but, you know, and one of the things, and that was many years ago, I'm now a million years old, but the, one of the things I've been working on ever since getting out of the Army is, is to be more compassionate, this has been one of my greatest mm-hmm uh challenges to be more compassionate and to be less mm-hmm. tough if you like yep. being tough yep. is a very important thing mm-hmm. i mean resilience is a critical mm-hmm. thing in life but you mm-hmm. but so but compassion is a critical element as well as you've been talking about uh yes can cool. i just interrupt you, do you? i don't mean
2: to interrupt you but can no. can i just interrupt you for a second because you just said something very important and especially in context of the military because i've seen this happen with some of my clients i've worked with i've been again really grateful and blessed to be able to work with many different people over many different niches and and areas. And I have seen for sure that individuals who have been in the military, one of the things is yes, to be tough. There is a difference between resilience and shutting off our emotions. And I do think that in the military, you, there is an element of needing to shut off those emotions, because if you, if you allow in that moment, right, it's life and death and then the work comes after because when those individuals are no longer in the military it's how do i reacclimate to recognizing that emotions actually are so important they need to be felt you know so often we get caught up in good versus bad emotions and really it's important to recognize that emotions are just data packets they're just giving us information of what we might need or where where our inner compass wants to take us and even outside of the military, definitely. I think part of a lot of people's stories have been around the fact that certain emotions were not considered. Okay. This one comes up a lot around anger. For instance, I hear a lot of people tell me that, well, it wasn't okay to be angry because it meant that you were not a good person. You you need, you, you can't show anger to somebody and you can't be angry with them. And really it's about recognizing that anger is just telling you that you're needing something. Like maybe the anger is just there to say, because a lot of times, Let's just be clear. Anger usually is like that first emotion. And then there's plenty of emotions underneath. Like, for instance, when I get angry at one of my children, it's generally because I'm afraid that they're about to get hurt or hurt themselves. Something bad's going to happen. Right. So there's a lot of fear underneath it. But other times with anger, there's, you know, frustration, there's sadness, there's feeling unseen. There's so many different emotions that can be under it. Right. So what if anger wasn't this negative thing? What if it was just really there to bring us information of something that we need rather than it meaning that we're bad people or we're not a good person. So, and and I know I just went off on a tangent, but I think that what you're just sharing (laughs) was really important was that yes, resilience, but resilience doesn't necessarily have to mean we don't feel our emotions. Um, and that's Absolutely. just another element, right? That's just another element of this idea of self-compassion. It's recognizing that through self-compassion, we can actually raise our resiliency factor because what we're really doing with that is is giving ourselves permission to be able to bounce back from those challenges. We don't get shut down from them, but rather it's like, we can recognize, okay, out of kindness of self rather than judgment, how do I want to show up, or what choices am I going to make to move through whatever this challenge is in front of me?
1: Absolutely, you know, li- life's a bitch. Life is not easy, <laughs> uh, and you've got to be resilient in order to, you know, live it in a in a in a I say healthy way, because you know you should always strive for healthiness, whatever a reasonable degree of healthiness is, and that doesn't just mean absence of disease. That means that you're as vibrant as you could or should be. But you know, and that's emotional healthiness and physical healthiness. Uh, and I, I really like what you talked about. You know, about anger. Anger can be anger is for, is a normal emotion, right? Well, they're all normal emotions. But you know, are you having them excessively? Are they dysfunctional? Are they creating trouble? Uh, then you, you know. Um, but you know, I when my I like I mentioned, I was a recover. I'm a recovered ag. You know, my and I I, I attribute. The genesis of that my father to my father's departure from my home when I was 10 years old you know he left the you know he got you separated and left the family and I became very sad at that uh, and that sadness over the years became a terrible rage mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. which is not uncommon that's what sadness mm-hmm. happens so mm-hmm. I had a pathological anger Mm-hmm. right now some you know you talked about a healthy anger right oh no the kid might get hurt right that's healthy right you know, <laughs> right? Uh, you know don't, don't do that i told you, you know but so but you know so there are times that anger is good and sometimes you're like well you can go with what's beneath this anger and you've got to go there and and, and you know resolve it otherwise it'll perpetually come up it's harbored. it'll always manifest um and these are things you've got to deal with and um you know, uh, the emotions, which which was the the initial part of this topic, uh, we can get them from from just conditioning. We, you know, like, you know, you hear like a very easy examples. You hear some song from long ago, and you you know you, you start thinking about that boy or girl or feel mm-hmm. uh, whatever. There's an example of conditioning, or it can come from more typically from a thought. You have a thought and then you have a feeling about that thought. Mm -hmm. So you don't like the feeling. What do you do? Well, change the thought. (laughs) Change the thought or you can do other things. You can just change your body position. But the thought is what typically precedes the feeling. And, Mm -hmm. um, And once we get control of our thoughts, then we can control our emotional life to a much more pragmatic degree. Because just as you said, you know, the kid puts itself in danger. you know, you're getting angry. It's not an abnormal response. <laughs> you know this, right. I told you not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> right, right. Don't play with that
2: dynamite. <laughs> yes, and you're right though, I do think that thoughts and emotions are so so intertwined, right? Sometimes sometimes an emotional come up first and then we have the thought. But a lot of times we have the thought which creates the emotion. And, you know, it's not, you know, we can't always control our our thoughts, but maybe it's more about just recognizing that we're going to have thousands of thoughts a day. But really the thing that we do have choice over is what do we put our energy into? That's
1: right. You know, I love the old Indian story is uh, this, I can't remember it exactly, but this Indian boy, his Indian grandfather, you know, about, you know, about why people are good or bad. And and the grandfather said, everyone has a white wolf or a black wolf Mm -hmm. on their shoulder. Whatever wolf you feed is the stronger wolf. So you wanna Mm -hmm. feed those negative thoughts, you'll get a lot more negative feelings. You wanna feed those positive thoughts, you'll get a lot more positive feelings. But those wolves are always present. Those, that choice is always there. Mm -hmm. That tendency, you know, my, I know, uh, I am constantly, and I've been doing this for many years, weeding the negative thoughts of the from the garden of my mind constantly you know and not mm-hmm. i'm much much better at it so it's not exhausting but i used mm-hmm. to be so negative that it was exhausting oh my god i'm totally overrun by negative thoughts. <laughs> okay, We, you know but the more yeah. you do it the the, the 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 better your mind is and the easier it is for you to do and the less you have to do it
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've often attributed, um, a gratitude practice to helping with that. Cause it, it, let's be clear. We're not talking about toxic positive positivity. We're not saying, oh, I'm having a negative thought. So let me think of something positive. That's the complete opposite. That's not what I'm referring to at all. Mm-hmm. It's just really recognizing that we have a choice as to what we put our energy into. So for instance, if we're having a negative thought, it's okay. I can choose to continue to think this thought, or I can maybe ask myself can i shift the thought that i'm having even ever so slightly to something that's still accessible but it's not saying let me just pendulum swing to the opposite of this because our brain's not going to accept that Um, and I have just found that having an active gratitude practice, one that you're doing every day, it's like, what, what am I grateful for? And and I really am specific with it being within like the last 24 hours, because we all can do the broad stroke gratitude practice, right? And And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if we're going, if we can take it into the last 24 hours, now we're practicing mindfulness. Now we're practicing present moment rather than pat like super far into the past or future tripping it's this moment right here right now again this is one of the pillars of self compassion right mindfulness so it's within the last 24 hours what it, what are some things that i'm grateful for and what that does is it allows us to look for the things that are going quote unquote right or going well yeah. and so when we're having those we're being hit with negative thoughts we're also we're we're matching it with also what's going well What's going right? What is, and and I even challenge people to say, even in the midst of like something that seems really hard or really challenging, take a breath and just ask yourself, what's the one right thing in this moment? Just the one thing. Right. So uh, I've shared this with clients too, but like my, um, my dad had had some health conditions and in, in one of the really stressful moments um, I had to challenge myself to say, okay, what's the one right thing. And I recognized that by having all of these tests done, we were actually able to answer some questions that we weren't able to answer before. So it's even in that moment of really challenging times, the one right thing was, well, actually, this is the thing that we're getting out of it. And it allowed for that space to just ground and open up to not only look at what was not going well, but also saying, okay, we're, you know, out of everything without the thought that everything is going really badly. I'm, I'm okay. He's okay. Everything is still okay. We're all safe. Um, and that can really help us move forward.
1: Totally totally fantastic. okay let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor then we' get then when we come back we will get into the big one which is beliefs. We'll come we'll come right back with comedy wood this episode
0: of self-help coaching is brought to you by perphysio. Poor finances are the leading cause of stress, divorce and general troubles. Financial managers, coaches and consultants are great but responsibility rests with you. There are new answers visit www.perphysio.io, that's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can truly learn the foundational attitudes and methods of accruing wealth and staying wealthy.
1: You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast. With me, your host Tony Pachozo, we're having a fantastic conversation with comedy Kamen Wood and uh, we, we covered a lot of ground and now we'll get into the big one. beliefs, all right? Now and people people, of course everyone thinks what they believe is true, which is of course more like the opposite of the truth. <laughs> uh, but let me ask my first question to you, comedy. When you say false beliefs, what are you referring to?
2: I'm referring to false beliefs, such as the most common ones are I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I don't belong, I'm not worthy. Um, you know, those are the big ones that, that are popping up into my head right now. But yeah. really, what they are are they're another way to name limiting beliefs. I think mm-hmm. right now, and it's not a, a snub at limiting beliefs, but I do think it, limiting beliefs has been now been in the mainstream in terms of word usage. And so I think it's starting to lose a little bit of its meaning. And so that's why I've shifted into naming it false beliefs because I really do think that these beliefs about self are kind of at the root. Because if you think about, um, and just the work that I've done with clients, there'll be beliefs up top. And if we continue to drill down a lot of times, it comes back to one of those main core false beliefs of just not being lovable, not enough, not worthy, not belonging, not, um, you know, just not being something, right? And that's the belief of self. And when we think about it, that's what limits us. If we, if we buy into that, it limits us to being, in relationship with other people or truly living into what we could accomplish. So for instance, if I don't think I'm good enough and that's the false belief that I'm operating with, it might limit me on taking on um, a new challenging role in my professional career, right? Like let's say I'm at a corporation but I don't think I'm good enough and I'm offered the ability to move departments and potentially take this new trajectory. Well, I might say, no, thank you and totally miss out on that opportunity all because underneath it all there's this belief that i'm not good enough or i'm not capable of doing that work so that's what i mean by false belief
1: (laughs) absolutely you know and um you know our early childhood is a critical time because uh our foundational beliefs are developed then. and most people don't realize this uh they're, they're unconscious or they're just unaware of it that most of what controls us we're not even aware of in terms of our own beliefs because that's the way we operate we operate by belief not by reality everyone thinks we're living in reality i got news for you we're not people there's we live in our perception of reality all right and how you could perceive it any way you want but that's the way you're going to live it (laughs) right And, and and there's this you know this the hard reality right that we can all all agree on right that i'm knocking on this little pyramid i'm holding and then we can agree on how uh, then I might say how how beautiful it is, and you might say how ugly it is, and then give me the great reasons why it's so ugly. That's a belief. They're all beliefs. Uh, but you know, I like how you get into the, into modifying, limiting beliefs to false beliefs. I think those are a, more, a core belief, a deeper belief mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. self worth, of ability, uh, which, uh, which would profoundly uh, affect uh, sup- not superfluous beliefs, but beliefs that are uh, that. Uh, that would come after them because if you if I don't believe I'm good enough, which is a foundational addiction belief, for example, mm-hmm. or not certainly not limited to that, then you're not even gonna even try to get clean or do that because if you're not good enough, why mm-hmm. even try? Right? My if body. you're not able, mm-hmm. why even try? It'd be a big waste mm-hmm. of your time. And so we have to really get into beliefs. You know, I mentioned my my primary NLP trainer, Rex Sykes, a, you know, and he was a mentor to me for a while. And uh, and I actually was the first editor of his book, which is doing very well in self-help right now. And uh, so I work closely with him, and and we talked about beliefs quite often because just as you talk, as we're talking about now, and you, you're well aware, this is a this is it doesn't get more critical than this mm-hmm. <laughs> about beliefs. And uh, so and uh, I I came to some conclusion in our work, and I said, so Rex, let me see if I got this straight. If if uh, if I'm doing something and uh and something and something i believe is getting in the way uh i should just stop believing that and he said well yeah uh, that's it in formula that's it simply stop believing in the stuff that's getting in your way and which sounds foolish it sounds Mm -hmm. easy but that's actually the essence of what has to happen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right
2: yeah i mean it's really asking yourself without the belief of that What's my reality? Right. It's, 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 it's really as simple as that. Without the belief that X, what's the Y? Right. <laughs> right? And and yes, it's simple and in, in form in the sense that it's like, yeah, it sounds simple. And then it's, but if I believe this, how do I let go of it? And really what that comes down to is attachment. Right. And we talk mm. about this a lot with our client, or you know, I've talked about this a lot with my clients, is recognizing what are we attaching ourselves to? You know, okay. what meaning are we attaching to the thing? Because something will happen. And to your point, yes, we each have a different reality because we're each experiencing life differently. We're perceiving it differently. We're making different meaning of the experience that has happened, right. right? So you and I can have the a very similar experience, but it's not going to be the same because we're going to have our own meaning that we make of it. And really that goes back to, and I think I mentioned this before, it's about the narrative. It's about- What's the story I'm telling myself and where does that come from? And you even mentioned this earlier, our childhood. And it's not to sit here and say, oh my gosh, everybody's childhood must have been traumatic and really bad things happen. It's not that at all. It's we actually accumulate these beliefs by messages that we're receiving or just experiences that we're having in those formative years. And so a lot of times we, the way that I describe it to people is there's different pillars to it. You know, you've got your social, you've got your family, you've got your culture, and then you've got your own personality. All four of those pillars are going to contribute to the narrative that you create for yourself through those formative years. And that's the story that if we're not willing to slow down and take a look at what parts of our story are now serving us and what parts are not, that's the piece that you're just referring to is, you know, letting go of those beliefs. It's what part of my story, what part of my belief system continues to serve me and which ones am I now choosing to let go of because it's no longer helping me move forward. And again, it's not about judgment of the story. It's recognizing that story got you to where you are. Awesome. Wonderful. Wonderful. We celebrate it, and we can release it if it's no longer serving us.
1: Fantastic. So we're talking about limiting beliefs and how they play the role in self-sabotage. I want to do something, and I'm not able to do it. I'm not achieving it. You know, things are going wrong, if you will. Uh, Things are not working out. Uh, I'm being ineffective. Uh, Just the result is just not happening. So when when this is going on, all right, uh, a person may say, okay, the problems are all external. Right. So how does one get to the realization that that may not be the situation at all?
2: Yeah. And that's sometimes where a coach comes in.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> because a lot of times that's a hard one, right? Because we think, oh, it's because of this happening there, or that happening there. And the real question that we need to ask ourselves. And again, it's without judgment of self, but it's curiosity of how am I showing up? How am I showing up? What story am I living into that could be contributing to the fact that I am not moving forward in the direction that I want or that I anticipate for myself? And self-sabotage, you mentioned this, that's a curious one. In and I in a, talk about self-sabotage a lot in the context of a lot of self-sabotage is, is just, um, and I don't mean to minimize it, but it's it's related to fear, right? It's we will self-sabotage so that we can control the fallout. We're afraid of failing or we're afraid of something not going the way that we want it to. So we self-sabotage in order to feel like we have some semblance of control over the fallout of the thing not happening. I see this time and time again with relationships, especially where somebody will just kind of self-sabotage their relationship because they're so afraid of being left or abandoned that they would rather know it's coming. So the way that they do this, again, this isn't necessarily a conscious thing that they're doing, but it's a pattern where they will find ways to sabotage that relationship or find reasons why they need to leave the relationship because it's a way that they can control the fallout. So they're not blindsided. It still hurts, but to them, the story is it doesn't hurt as much. Not necessarily true. It still hurts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, pain, pain is a signal. Uh, uh, all feelings are signals. So you know, you said so much, and I wrote down a number of points uh, to uh, address what you're saying. But you know, I'm going to bring up Rex Sykes. The guy is so influential on me, uh, and I'm not. I don't even consider myself his protege anymore. But uh, but he taught me so much. Uh, and i mentioned this book that book is get the life that you want i can't even remember the title whatever anyway he he professes that there's no such thing as self-sabotage and what he says it is is it's nothing but limiting beliefs mm-hmm. okay you know and mm-hmm. i buy that i you can use that term self-sabotage that's fine mm-hmm. uh you could use you could say you could be more accurate about it as a limiting belief that's even better mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but, or you can go even deeper false belief um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's what you believe that is how you act uh that's the, and what you manifest comes from those beliefs you know uh and so if you're if you're quote-unquote self-sabotaging or not getting what you want then it's time to look into those beliefs um and, or have some introspection or we'll get into the coaching i'm gonna get into this in a bit because i i went, the, went there inadvertently with you and and i love you just totally Took the football and ran for a touchdown. Um, you know the extreme value of coaching is it comes up perhaps while you're being coached because you know uh, basically a life coach helps any client pursue any goal. That's basically what they do. All right, whether it go from dysfunction to the function or just to, I want to achieve this. So help me do that. But when you now you're on your way, the coach helps you pursue the goal. And now you're not getting the results you want. Then that's where you just talked about, okay, the coach, you know, comedy wizards, okay, what's going on here? All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's go deeper. And that mm-hmm. and then you can get and then you can get to that limiting belief. That is getting in the way that self quote unquote, self-sabotaging comedy is, Mm -hmm. ah, is there something here? And then you can meet Mm -hmm. a leader person. Or help them find the help them find it on their own quote unquote mm-hmm. <laughs> or you can say outright you don't see it you know you keep on <laughs> you keep on eating all day that's why you're not losing weight you know what you know you could easily be blind to your own behaviors yeah uh, and that's the great that's one of the great values of a coach is that she, mm-hmm. she is observing as you are making motion towards your goal and mm-hmm. you know she's saying well you you know you you want to Walk and yet you're putting too much weight on that right foot, you know, mm. even out the weight and you have a better gait. You know, that's the value, that's one of the greatest values of coaching. Uh, and that's, you know, and I'm not tooting our own horns. You know, that's why coaching is an ever increasing field because it's extremely valuable to a client. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's
2: again, you and I talked about this earlier, but it's having somebody who can help us see the things that we're too close to be able to see. Um, you know, I, I actually, some of my clients are doctors, some of them are therapists and I've even had a, my, a couple of my therapist clients say this has been the, the catalyst that's helped me as a, them, right. As a therapist, see things that they were not able to see before, cause they were just so close to it. And so they've been able to step back and in in so their their practices have taken off. So professionally, they're moving forward, but then also personally, they're moving forward. And it's not again not to toot our own horn because it's not me doing the work. Like I'm very clear when I talk to people, I'm not showing up fixing anything. It's just holding that space so my clients can do that work for themselves because it's safe, it's non judgmental, it is just. Right there for them to take it, and they get to run with it and create the life that they want for themselves. It's not about me swooping in and saying, you know, do A, B, and C, and your life will be great. That's not—I mean, sure, that's a form of coaching, I guess, but it's not my form of coaching, I'll at least to say that.
1: <laughs> you know, I created Proficio, which is this app that's going to revolutionize self-help, and, and there was a number of reasons for me to do it, and one of them is that I know the value of coaching, as we have articulated, but most most people i not into self-help, and I contend this because they fear failure. Mm. Uh, but and even less people are into coaching uh, because mm-hmm. they fear failing in front of a person even more. <laughs> all right, and but again, that's again any coach that would judge you is an atrocious coach. Uh, but that but you know that's that's what goes on in public in mm-hmm. a person's quote unquote reality. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to be. They don't want it. They fear being judged. They fear failure. They fear disapproval. Obviously, all these things are their own. Their own obstacles to getting a coach, uh, and I realized that well, if I made an automated coach, a robot coach, then a person wouldn't could, could get a, could eliminate those problems. Uh, well, those problems would be eliminated, and a person could go get a coach, and, and that's what this is. Uh, but but that's again, that's all perceptual because people coaches like you or me, the last thing we would do is judge a client. We would only mm-hmm. even help them uh, achieve what they want. So I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna take our last a last moment here for my sponsor when I'll come back with the unfortunate last segment with comedy because this has been a wonderful conversation really packed with value for the listener. great stuff so let's take a final moment here from our sponsor and we'll come right back with the great comedy wood.
0: this episode of self-help coaching is brought to you by Perficio. What if you could get the results of being coached without a human coach? What if a computer could coach you? Visit www.perficio.io, That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O.io, where you can get coached without scrutiny, judgment, or pressure.
1: You're listening to the self-help coaching podcast with me, your host Tony Pachosa. The conversation that we've been having with Comedy Wood has just been oh so delightful and so insightful and informative man you, you must be an excellent coach i just from this short time with you that's pretty obvious to me um now i'm gonna we've talked. we've covered a lot of ground passion uh, beliefs uh self-sabotage and acceptance you know um, and more let's get into something that is very very relevant practically all the time uh, and boundaries. <laughs> How do boundaries <laughs> play into the concept of self-love and releasing limiting beliefs?
2: Oh my gosh, we could talk about boundaries for that could be a whole nother um podcast episode. We got we got 3 so minutes I'm gonna, I'm going to just try to be as succinct as possible. <laughs> boundaries are I think a a way that we practice self-love. And the reason why I say that is because when we're able to state what works for us versus what doesn't. We are honoring ourselves, which is a form of self love. And we're also honoring the person that we're in relationship with, because what we're doing is we're being very clear for ourselves. First and foremost, what is in, what is in integrity with me, what works for me. And then we're also allowing ourselves to communicate that upfront and honestly with the people that we're in relationship with. So there's no Unspoken expectations or assumptions because the truth is when we have unspoken expectations or assumptions, that's when frustration, resentment, and and all the toxicity happens, right? So it's about boundaries are truthfully a in in my opinion, and I've worked on boundaries. I'm still working on boundaries because as a people pleaser, that's what we we do. But it's so important to be able to recognize what works for us and what doesn't, and being able to communicate that to other people around us.
1: Right. Now it's pretty commonly known that healthy people have boundaries and unhealthy people don't and if you didn't know it well there i just said it and i would i would say that it's pretty simple relatively relatively easy to identify that you know your state of emotional well-being or or um, let's we'll leave it at that and that is if, if someone makes boundaries and you don't respect them you're probably unhealthy so you'll, you'll say oh wait great tony you're condemning me no i'm what i'm saying is if you can recognize that you can say well if i can if i'm unhealthy tony the great guru says i'm unhealthy uh either if you can accept it or not but how what can you do to respect the boundaries which would be a mark of healthiness moving mm-hmm. healthiness, or how can you otherwise heal yourself or improve your health <laughs> and I will also go the inverse, if you are respective of boundaries, then that's a mark of healthiness. All right, so you can right there, it's right there, you know, right in hand, you know, what do you think about that? Is that too simplistic?
2: No, I think it's a, I think it's a really great way to describe it because I do think that people get really lost in the weeds when we start talking about boundaries, like what is a healthy boundary? What's not a healthy boundary for me, it just comes down to there, there are three types of boundaries. There's porous, there's rigid and there's healthy porous is I'm going to set a boundary. And then as soon as somebody pushes back on it, I'm just going to collapse and say, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And it goes away. Rigid is I'm building this wall and you're not allowed in, and I'm not going to talk to you about it. like, it's this way. you're out of my life. That's a pretty rigid boundary Yeah, yeah. and healthy boundaries is, Hey, I'm going to build this little fence around where I am. I'm on this side. You're on that side. And it, and and a fence allows us to talk between it. We can see each other. We can also move fences if we need to. So a healthy boundary is movable, malleable, but there are consequences in place. If you were to cross over that fence, right? If you cross over my fence, my dog is going to bark at you because we have to hold. There has to be a consequence to the boundary that we're putting in place, right? If we just have a boundary and we, there's no consequence of somebody pushing, then it's that porous boundary. So that's the way that I try to summarize just the different types of boundaries. Um, and it's that, really it's-
1: that is an excellent model. I, that is an excellent model. I mean, that that really in, expands my view of it and gives me a greater understanding. So that's that was that wonderful. Thank you for that sure see it was succinct <laughs> <laughs> great stuff Tommy, this has been a most excellent and wonderful conversation with you i think is really really valuable and enriching for the listener um do you have any final remarks for the audience
2: i think my final thoughts would just be um something that's often stuck with me is that life is really happening through us and for us and if we can recognize that it's It's through us and for us, not to us. Mm. It allows us to lean into this idea of self-compassion. How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Rather than feeling like we are a victim of what's happening around us.
1: Absolutely. Fantastic. And I understand you have a free gift for the audience.
2: I do. If they go to my website, comedywood.com, there is a download for, um, it's an ebook on limiting beliefs. So all you have to do is pop your email in and it'll be emailed over to you.
1: Great. And we'll have all your social media set up on our profile on our website. We'll set up for you. Great stuff. I, you know, I, I knew this would be at the outset. Uh, I had a feeling, I should say uh, a long conversation because you it would be so wonderful. And it has been, it's been longer than I, I had anticipated or usually because it was that great. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, Fantastic. Great stuff. And remember everyone, we're all responsible for ourselves and we could all use a little help. And with that, Thank you, comedy, And we'll see you next time in the next episode of the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here. Subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.